0: Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is dedicated to the life and memory of Lance Russell. To come down there, the guts!
1: Like I don't think a lot of people have around here, and I'm talking about the fans, Lance, I'm talking about you, I'm talking about a lot of different people, but Lawler does not have the stinking guts to come down there where no money is involved! where nothing is involved except personal pride, and I do have Texas pride, believe me. Well,
2: there it is. Take this!
1: Okay, I will take it, and I will deliver it to Lawler in
2: there. No money, no fans, he's crying Homer and all that. Well, there's the challenge from Terry Funk to Jerry Lawler. Uh, Well, okay, we'll be back in just a minute.
1: My granddad, James D. Ross, gave me my first alcoholic drink, some of his Falstaff beer, when I was three. My mother was living when she realized that something was a little off on my return to the house. James D. had taken me to his favorite tavern and snuck me some sips of his drink while we were there. When my mom finally realized that I was a little more uncoordinated than usual, she put two and two together and exploded. Little JR was buzzed, and Granddad Ross was in real hot water. Right from the start, I was defying expectations. I wasn't even supposed to be here, as in here on this planet. I was born at only five pounds, six ounces. And when they brought me home from the hospital, I was small enough to fit into a shoebox. This was the last period of my life where I was ever considered small, except when skinny dipping in cold water. I was born January 3rd, 1952, in Fort Bragg, California. My mom and dad, Elizabeth Ann Sheffield and J.D. Ross, have been high school sweethearts. By my math, they might have been a little too sweethearty because uh, they suddenly got married, bolted from their hometown of Westville, Oklahoma, and had me eight months later. In that era, conceiving a child out of wedlock in a small town of about a thousand people could have created issues for my folks as everyone knew each other's business.
0: This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Brought to you today, empowered by the IRW Network. Head on over to IRWNetwork.com and check out brand new episodes of the Triple Threat podcast featuring the franchise Shane Douglas as well as us, the two man power trip of wrestling. Uploaded every single week with brand new content from you, the fans, as well as from the mind and the world of the franchise Shane Douglas. And again, it's over at IRWNetwork.com. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad. And as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here every single week on the two man power trip, the one and only John Paz. And John, today on the show, it's a quick turnaround, but he is back. And he is back in a big way as WWE Hall of Famer, announcer extraordinaire, and now author extraordinaire, good old J.R. Jim Ross, comes back for today's program. Only, I'd say about, what, 10 weeks removed from his last appearance on the show where we got to talk about so many amazing things that, he was been, that he's was that he been doing for WWE lately as well as what he did with New Japan over the summertime. But today we get to really focus in on his passion on the project that's consumed so much of his life for the last few years and that is his book, Slobberknocker. My life in pro wrestling as Jim Ross gives us the 411 on the publishing of this book, the writing of this book, and everything that has gone on in the world of good old JR. So when you think about when we had him on last, it was just coming off the big New Japan United States debut, and JR met a little bit of criticism from fans online that might have taken him to task over the mispronunciation of a few names and not knowing some of the storylines going on in New Japan, but in typical JR fashion, he met those critics and he met those people head-on, took ownership of what happened and vowed for it to not happen again, and as we've watched JR enter this next phase of his life, he's really taken on the absolutely beloved announcer position in professional wrestling. Whether you want to compare him to a Vin Scully in professional baseball, or even think back to a Howard Cosell who did boxing, he did football, he did baseball, he did so many different things, and we're looking to Jim Ross as that guy now in professional wrestling, that the being that he can work with the WWE or he can work with New Japan, and he can do a lot of different projects, it is very cool to see your guy, Jim Ross, your announcer you grew up listening to, appear in so many different areas of broadcasting, but you'll find out so much about Jr.'s passion for broadcasting and all the things he's done in his career in his book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. And I just cannot wait for you to hear this interview where you get to hear from the horse's head exactly what it is that you're going to want to look forward to with this book and what to read and some of the stories. And obviously, we all know that while this book was getting ready to be published In this past year, JR just absolutely heartbreakingly lost his wife Jan in an absolutely freak and terrible accident. And he mentioned it a little bit in our last interview with him over the summertime. And just to know what JR's gone through this year, to see some, I'll just ultimately very low lows to see something like this his book that he's been working so hard on and his wife had such a big key role in. Obviously, that's got to be so special to him to have this out and having so many people go on social media to say that they've already finished it. It's only been out since October 3rd, but there's already people online coming out saying that they've finished it. So if you are not ready to purchase this book by the end of this interview, then we did not do our job. But you will, after you hear JR, go into such great detail. So, John, as I welcome you in here now, it's pretty cool to see how JR has become a great friend of the show. He appeared on our 300th episode to give us a little bit of a thumbs up and a movement in the right direction. But having JR back on for a third time is very, very cool. But the subject matter at hand being his book, obviously, it's a huge honor to have him on again and hopefully many, many more in the future. But John, tell us a little bit more about the book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling and what we have to look forward to in this interview with good old JR Jim Ross.
3: Yes, Chad, back at it again at the two-man power trip, and we're back with a vengeance. This time, talking to the greatest announcer of all time, the voice of professional wrestling, good ol' JR, Jim Ross, and it's such an honor to get Jim back on the show for an unprecedented third time, joining the likes of the legendary James E. Cornette, so just absolutely awesome to be able to first and foremost even get jr on once let alone twice let alone this time as the third time joining the show and each time it's been quite a great conversation it's been a great long conversation and he is just a true true icon of wrestling just one of the absolute biggest names you're ever going to hear on this show one of the biggest names anybody could get on any show so like i said we are completely and totally honored even to have him on once but let alone three times it's just fantastic and of course today we are talking about his book yes a slobberknocker my life in wrestling and now if anybody knows the term slobberknocker you know that JR made it famous many years ago when he was the basically the voice of the attitude era and that really became a word that became part of the lexicon became uh, part of our encyclopedias and a part of our dictionary so it's awesome that jr kind of um basically created his own word there and created and created so many things and It's just awesome. It's awesome to finally see that he's writing his own book and it finally has come out. And for those of you who are wondering, for those of you that care about things like this or for those of you that are fans of seeing how well wrestling books do and things like that, it is doing amazingly well. Definitely one of Amazon's bestsellers right now as far as books are concerned. So absolutely get to Amazon or wherever your books are sold and get Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. The book is selling very well and it's at the top of the charts. So we hope that you just add to that because just phenomenal story. From start to finish, obviously it's not just about his life in wrestling, it's about his life in general, so it's really intriguing and really interesting, and even as far as this interview is concerned, really interesting to learn a little bit more about not just JR, the wrestling announcer, but JR, aka Jim Ross. The, the person the real life of Jim and just really learning his whole story so it's a really fascinating read and it's a real great interview to kind of get him on and kind of go behind the curtain a little bit and get away from the announce table and talk a little bit about his life down in Oklahoma and kind of getting to the business and, and things like that so really cool and, and a little bit different. Uh, from some other wrestling books you may read, and obviously not all of them are great. You gotta have to pick and choose some of your wrestling books out there, but this one is one of the ones you gotta pick. It's it's an awesome one. Like I said, Slobberknocker. You can't forget the title. You can't miss out on it. What an awesome tale. What a great book. And if I could just say something just a little bit personal, has nothing really to do with the book, but more of Jim Ross, the man. And we got to work with Jim. Back in August at the Icon Show, the huge show down there in Philly. JR and, obviously, Jerry the King Lawler were the two big headliners for the show, and it was just an unbelievable day. Obviously, Jim did very, very well that day for us, and he did very well for himself, and it was just a really fun day. We got a lot done, a lot accomplished, a lot of signatures. We had a huge presale sale and he didn't mind you know we said hey you know this might be a little crazy you might have to you know stop and start and do it he didn't mind he just kept going and plugging through and finished all our pre-sale autographs for us he was just unbelievable in that aspect he was all class so easy to work with when you're sometimes dealing with stars of that magnitude and big stars like that you never kind of know the attitude you're going to get or how they're going to perceive you, or, or if they're going to have an ego or anything like that. Jr. was not like that at all. He's a real man's man, just a perfect guy you want to work with. So anybody out there that's thinking like, oh, I don't know if I should bring Jr. into the show, easiest guy in the world to work with, so much fun. You get a lot of anecdotes, you get a lot of good stories, you get a lot of you know, a lot of fun stuff from Jr. He's a real, real down-to-earth guy, great guy, which is awesome to see of a star of his magnitude, the voice of wrestling, the greatest announcer of all time. great to see that he does not have an ego so that was really great and then of course after that after we you know we got the honor of getting to work with him and, and him sign some autographs and and do a, some picture taking and things like that for us, I actually got the opportunity to work for him during his one man show back in August in NYC, and that was one hell of a night. That was awesome. If you haven't seen his one man show, if you haven't been there yet, go out of your way to check it out. It's just an unbelievable thing, unbelievable night. Great stories. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll really get into it. You'll scream. I mean, it's really, really a lot of fun, and it brings you through uh, kind of the gamut of emotions, especially in NYC when Paul Heyman was there, and we we're talking a little bit about his wife and things like that. So, really, really ran the gamut of emotions that night. But it was great. And if you, like I said, if you've never been to his one-man show, seek it out. Go to uh, JR's Barbecue. Check out the the tour dates. I believe he's got one coming up in Boston, Massachusetts on December sixteenth. So. Please go out of your way and try to make it to that one-man show because he is awesome, and getting to work for him behind the scenes that night was a whole hell of a lot of fun, and and he definitely sold a lot of merchandise. I I know that firsthand, and it was really cool kind of just getting to BS with it. I know, obviously, he was a busy man that night, but so professional, so cool, so humble, no ego. you got to love this guy. So like I said before, go out of your way. Go to Amazon, wherever your books are sold. Get Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling. I guarantee you will love this book. Now let me send it over to good old CB, a.k.a. Chad, so we can finish off a little bit on Jim, and then we can head on over to an unbelievable third, and unprecedented third interview
0: with the two-man power trip. It may not be a slobber knocker, but business is damn sure about to pick up because by the time you are done listening to this interview, you will be broken in half by good old J.R. Jim Ross and the stories that we can learn here in his book, Slobber Knocker, My Life in Wrestling. And of course, from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank good old J.R. Jim Ross for joining us again for the third time. And as a treat, and since we did discuss him in the episode After the interview is over, please stay tuned for a special presentation. We are going to insert a few clips from our interview with Lance Russell conducted in February 2016 we're not going to put the whole interview in. If you want to find that, you can head on to Podomatic.com or you can head to iTunes and search Two Man Power Trip Lance Russell and you can find the full episode. But we will insert a couple clips here, some highlights, if you will, of our interview with Lance Russell that was conducted in February 2016. Such an honor to be joined by such a legend. And you heard our dedication off the top of this episode for Lance Russell and it was very fitting to have Jim Ross be the guest on today's show and you'll hear JR give you the plugs but please head to amazon.com pick up the book either in its audio form or in the physical form and for the book signing dates that he does have coming up he'll give those to you in the episode if you are in the available areas to go attend a JR book signing do it it is so worth it he is an unbelievably nice man to meet and he will make it worth your while I guarantee you that but sit back relax and enjoy some good old JR Jim Ross And also, like I said, off the top of this episode, we are brought to you by our Triple Threat Podcast on the IRW Network. This past week, we had the unfortunate duty of covering the Las Vegas massacre that occurred this past Sunday in Las Vegas, Nevada. Obviously, you know everything about it if you have followed the news and we get Shane Douglas's take on it, and he gives some insight as to some of the facts that had come out up to that point when we recorded the episode. But we don't just stay serious the whole time. We get a little bit light at the end and take some fan questions and talk about Vince McMahon's ridiculous WBF, the World Bodybuilding Federation, and share a few laughs about that monstrosity of a promotion, as well as talk about Shane's take ...on a Dave Meltzer star rating and what Dave Meltzer's influence is on professional wrestling. And that's all over at the IRWnetwork.com and the Triple Threat Podcast. It is episode number 17. And John, why don't you do this, take it the rest of the way, hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business... ...and get it on over to the Barbecue Sauce Man himself quite possibly the greatest play-by-play announcer of all time, the one and only good old JR, Jim Ross. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook.
3: Follow us on Twitter at TwoManPowerTrip and at RasslinPow. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend, Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream, Dusty Rose, The Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney, Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet... Check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Buff Bagwell, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And if you're on Android, please check us out on Google Play or Player FM. Follow along with a two-man power trip in 2017 as we come to a town near you. TMPT hits the road. October 21st, we hit the Legends of the Ring in New Jersey. November 4th, we hit the big event in New York City. And the big one, the granddaddy of them all, the big guy. Wrestlecade in North Carolina on 1125 with Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. There will be a four horsemen reunion for sure. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, he is An NWA Hall of Famer. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. He is the voice of professional wrestling and the greatest announcer of all time. He is good old JR Jim Ross. Please enjoy.
4: Back on the line tonight is fast becoming our favorite guest here on the Two Man Power Trip. He just joined us right over the summer to talk about a big appearance we had in Philly, and we talked about it then. But we are ready to go into detail about it now, as his book "Slobberknocker: My Life in Wrestling" has finally been released. And it is always our honor to welcome in WWE Hall of Famer, the one and only good old JR. Jim Ross. Welcome back to the Two Man Power Trip.
5: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. appreciate it.
4: Uh, J.R., it's always our pleasure. We'd like to thank you for uh, your little clip you gave us for our 300th episode. But most importantly, the release of this book, it has been out. It has been uh, just an absolute blaze all over social media with the great comments. How do you feel finally having the book come out to the masses? Well, I'm, I'm happy that we
5: finished the project because after my wife got killed, it was kind of in the you know, maybe it was iffy, and uh, <clears throat> but we we finished it, and uh, I'm very proud of that. So I think it would be a book that uh, that she would be proud of, and I, and the feedbacks finished. You said been really good.
4: Uh, uh, feedback feedback's been great, but you're, uh I got to give you so much credit for the amount of publicity you've done for the book just in the first couple of days. I mean, it seems like every time I turn around, you are on uh, another show, and it seems like there's never and an there's an endless amount of material we could talk about with you, but hey, to talk about the, the work that goes into the book and all the stuff you've gone through since you started writing it, when you first put pen to paper, did you ever have the, uh, the thought that down the road, you know, there would have been so many changes in your life, but also now the positives being felt by the wrestling community to embrace this story?
0: Well, I've
5: always had confidence that the the rest of the community was going to be supportive of pretty much anything I did uh, that I was really um, committed to. And uh, that's been the case for many, many years. So uh, I was just, you're always, you have the trepidation of, and, and maybe the egocentric vent of making sure that you you write a good book and that it's, uh, it's received well, you know, and that it sells and that people like it, and share it, and get something out of it, you know, uh, it's all those things, it's like, it's like writing a Broadway play or something, and you, and you, and you're just hoping that you can sell tickets, people come to see your play, and, uh, and we're in a situation where, you know, we we hope people buy our book, and, uh, I know Amazon's just been really busy and doing a good job shipping, so, so far, so good, you know, but, uh, in March, it was it got to be iffy, the latter part of March, early part of uh, April, about how, if we're going to be able to finish in time to make any deadline or to do it at all or whatever. So I'm really glad that we saw it through and saw our, our journey to the end, and, and now it's here, and, and hopefully folks are going to check it out and enjoy it.
4: Well, we, uh, when we first started preparing to have your appearance in Philly in August, uh, people started messaging us about the book and saying, hey, is the book going to be out? Is the book coming out by then? And at that point, I wasn't too familiar with the release date. I knew the book was being written because I'd been following what you have been talking about on your show and also on Twitter, but I didn't know when it was coming out. But then as we were in Philly and we are getting closer and closer, people were asking about the book, and they they were seeing that the book was coming, and we had a big poster over there that said the book is coming in October, and now here we are again. It's out. It's finally here. And the thing that I'm so impressed by is not just the book coming out, but the fact that the audio book came out as well, because in 2017, we consume a lot of digital media. So the work you put in for the audio book, another thing i got to commend you on, how did you feel reading the book now in audio form. Uh, after writing it, now you're reading it back to yourself.
5: Very challenging. Very challenging. Uh, if I hadn't, if I had known how challenging it was, and had not already committed to doing it, I probably wouldn't would have passed on that project. So uh, it was really, really uh, emotional because you're you're narrating your own documentary. I've already lived it i I know exactly every color we're talking about how cold or how hot you know, everything I know everything about that whole that scene that we paint with our words because so I lived it, and some of those scenes were, were hard to relive so uh, it was really challenging. I've had uh, really good feedback from those that have bought the audio book you know uh, it's they could tell that uh it meant a lot to me, and I think uh that was good so uh, i and it does so i, I appreciate those that, that listen to the audiobook and I think it's going to be uh, somebody told me it was the first audio book they ever bought, and they were they just were very very happy so maybe it'll maybe it will uh motivate them to 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 buy other audio books and expand the horizon, so to speak.
4: And that's what you want. You want any kind of book, whether it's audio or a physical book, you want that to inspire people to pick up more because it's still re- – reading might be uh, <laughs> fundamental, and everybody goes to the podcast right now, but reading is the way we get every uh, – I, I think we get the deeper story uh, still in the form of the book and, and putting all the work you have in. One of the things I think that stands out is obviously the foreword by Vince McMahon – and you and Vince having such a, a long relationship, and having your ups and having your downs, what did it mean for you to have Vince write the forward for the book?
5: Well, uh, he was my first choice, so uh, he was my overall number one draft pick. So I got my, I got, I got what I wanted, uh, and happy to say. But he was. Uh, somebody asked me, said, so how, "How hard was it to get Vince to do your forward? How'd you get? How'd you pull that off?" I said, I I, uh, I sent him a text, <clears throat> and uh, he responded and said he'd be proud to do it, and so he did, and uh, uh, it was great. We have a lot of really cool, you know, Stone Cold did the afterword, and we got contributions from uh, The Rock and Coach Bob Stoops before he resigned at Oklahoma, uh, and uh, Billy Gibbons is C. Top, Mark Cuban. The other guy I work for, the other billionaire I work for. So, it's a it's a really it's a fun thing, and I think that, you know, it's there's a lot of life lessons in this book. uh, That it's not it's not one thing I can tell you. It's not a wrestling book. Uh, It's not a wrestling book. It's not. JR outlines his ten favorite matches, right? JR, whatever my ten my ten favorite wrestlers are. My ten favorite matches, the ten matches I hated the worst, or my best draft pick, or whatever. It's not that. It's about life, and it's about. Uh, and my life is so intertwined with uh, wrestling that almost anywhere in my journey, wrestling has embraced that aspect of of of, of my living being. So it's just a really a unique uh, story, you know, of a of my, of my journey in the, in a business that wasn't hiring, you know, for me to get a job in wrestling, you know, I finally figured it out. You know, I got hired by Bill Watts at $125 a week to, uh, babysit Leroy McGurk by and large. And knowing that that was a short term gig at very, very best, I looked around and started figuring out other things that I wanted that I might be able to do so that I could stay in the wrestling business past, what I thought would be a summer job. And uh, that's how it all started, you know, and I kept looking for jobs and and areas that I could learn in and so I could wear more than one hat. So I think this book, uh, unlike a lot of the other great wrestling books that are written by wrestlers who talk about wrestling and their career in the ring and so forth and so on, I talk about the business of wrestling and how a civilian like me or like you guys uh, could theoretically go on a similar journey. Why not? Somebody is. That's the way I look at it. Somebody is. So somebody's going to write the next New York Times bestseller and I'm hoping it's us.
3: And obviously the book is going to cover a lot of your life and obviously if you want more of the wrestling stuff, you can go to your podcast and obviously you cover more wrestling thing but you mentioned Leroy McGurk and getting your first job in the business obviously under Bill Watts what was it like with Leroy because we know from some stories about him uh, kind of a, uh, a strange guy and obviously a blind guy as well
5: yeah Leroy didn't have any sight he was he was blinded one eye as a young, young man probably 8 or 10 years old I think then he uh went on to an All-American National Championship-level amateur career at Oklahoma State as a wrestler. Then he was the NWA Junior Heavyweight Champion and legitimately one of the real tough guys, a real shooter. Uh, But, you know, they say, you know, I never met Leroy when he had sight. He he was blinded in 51. I wasn't born then, but uh, he... He was a very he was a very it could be very volatile. The, the Leroy's issue was like a lot of guys, still no mystery. Uh, he he oh, he over he got overserved a lot. Like every day he drank straight whiskey. So uh, and it was a problem, obviously. So uh, that was that was that issue. But he was a a really bright guy. He was the editor of the of the, of the college paper. Newspaper at Oklahoma State. He was the sports editor of the paper before that. Uh, really, an academian He graduated from college in the 30s when other wrestlers weren't. So he's very, very intelligent. But the booze was his demon. And and I'm sure that I can't say I wouldn't be any different if, or maybe worse. That uh, I think he was still he was very bitter that he was sightless. Because it really robbed him of his heyday there in in the early fifties because he was a major star in the in that junior heavyweight division and the junior heavyweight then meant something it wasn't it's hard for fans today to look at it because they're going to compare what I turn junior heavyweights to uh, a junior heavyweight today or the cruiserweights, the 205s or the or the whatever's uh the x division I not know not that that' the fly but you know what I mean it's just hard mm-hmm. to look at that. But they had such an amazing array of terrific talent, and in that in that category, and Leroy was the kingpin of that group. But the thing about it is everybody also knew that even the heavyweights, there wasn't. I don't know if there's too many heavyweights that he couldn't whip. So he was very well respected within the business. And remember the NWA, very colorful character. He was a very key character in the the issues that uh, Mildred Burke had with the NWA are getting 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 uh, milked out of a bunch of money by the honorable n w a which is a big joke so anyway it's a it's a my book's got a lot of those stories and territory stories and and uh you know first time I went to a wrestling match and as a kid and who was on the card what i remember you know working for cowboy leroy you know being the leroy's driver. I'd never even been in a Cadillac in my life until I drove McGurk's as his chauffeur. the the He did ride a shotgun, so he rode in the front seat, and he always had a satchel with him. And the satchel had a lot of things in it: had a big can for cigar ashes, cigars, whiskey, usually a handgun. So he had a he's quite the character. So I, I, when, I, I when he was when he was sober, he was he was very kind to me but it says a lot about people that drink and that's, you know, about other people have said that about others that they know when he's sober, he's very nice to me. That's a scary thought, but there's another side <laughs> of that statement. Uh, but nonetheless, Leroy was a really, a really a, a unique dude. And gave me my, he and Bill, Bill gave me my start. He saw something in me, you know, uh, I took notes at the booking meetings for Leroy, and uh, yeah, I didn't even know what I was doing because they were using terms I didn't know. We'll have uh, we'll have so and so and so and so. I get we'll have them do. A, well, we we'll got a ten minute Broadway. So I'm write down ten minute Broadway. I ain't got a clue of broad what that means. I don't know what it means. Now every you know you go on you can get a uh, an eighth grader. Who's active on social media? Uh, he can tell you. Uh, as, a, as a wrestling fan, he can tell you what Broadway is, <sighs> without a doubt. Different world, man. <laughs> Very Different true. World. Very true. But it is
3: crazy to think that you know you were so kind of naive to the business. You're just sitting at booking meetings. You're taking notes. You don't want don't know what, don't know what things mean. And then as you follow through your journey of your life, you become the, basically the voice of wrestling. The greatest play-by-play announcer of all time—is that kind of surreal to you? Kind of looking back and going through this journey, like, "Wow, I really came a long way." I'm, you know, basically the the goat.
5: Well, thanks. I don't know about that. I I, uh, I think the older I get, I'd like to think that out of common sense and above average intellect, that I'm slowing down a, a little bit to Kind of stop and smell some of the roses as I as I buzz by. So I think it's. Uh, I, I've done a lot of interviews for this book. You know, I, I didn't. I was trying to. I, somebody was telling me uh, that this year alone, just this year, I've done the the main event at WrestleMania. I've done uh, three of the Okada Omega matches. I've done New Japan live in Santa Barbara. Or yeah, Santa Barbara, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Her long Beach. Yep. And I've done I did the arguably the the uh the match of the year with those those two fine young British lads at the takeover of Chicago, uh bait and Dunn. And uh I had another really a, oh uh a good one too that we I was lucky to get to be a part of. Uh so, I've had an interesting year from a broadcaster standpoint. And, and doing, you know, having an all star match at a NXT, having an all star match at, at the event, WrestleMania, having an all star event at, at, at uh, uh, New Japan, it makes for an interesting year that probably other announcers haven't had, which is exciting for me because at this stage of the game, there's not too many assignments that I haven't had an opportunity to do. But something like this is a is a whole new presentation for me. So it's a times are good in that regard. I enjoy my schedule, and I'm gonna we're gonna be doing a lot of, of book signings, you know, uh, this this month and coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, but I think this book's gonna do well. I think it's gonna do good. It's a it's just from a different point of view than uh, my pre- my peers have done. Before me. And it's more along the lines of, uh, you know, uh, trying to think for, for something close. You guys probably know better than me, but it's just not, I can't role play the athleticism, the bumps, the bruises, the pain, the agony that, are, that a wrestler endures in their job as a sports entertainer. And for me to try to simulate that in words, it would really be kind of bullshit. So therefore, I'm trying not to go there. I, I believe that uh, uh, you know the route we took is is kind of unique because it's no one. If you look back at the history of the business, no one's had my journey. Now they may someday, but it's going to be hard because the territories are gone. So that big, big part of my foundation that helped me understand the art of broadcasting no longer exists. So I would then submit to the court that I, I'm probably the last of this breed of cat. And uh, this journey that we're writing about is a, a unique one.
3: And one thing I just, I had to mention, obviously, you know, we're talking about your journey and your book and you being one of the greatest announcers of all time. I can't almost, not mentioned the passing of Lance Russell. Did you have any yeah. sort of relationship with him? Him being one of kind of the great announcers out there, along obviously alongside with you.
5: Oh, we were great friends. We're great friends. Uh, Lance and his late wife Audrey, and my late wife Jan, and I were friends. Uh, we became friends uh, largely over the. The uh, filming of the "Man in the Moon" movie, because uh, ironically, and don't actually ask, ask me to explain it because I have no idea. Uh, in that movie, I played Lance Russell's role. Mm-hmm. Even though in the yep. credits. It didn't, it didn't. It didn't. mention Lance Russell, me playing Lance Russell. But right down by my credit, it's got uh, ring announcer Lance Russell. <laughs> So why I didn't do the ring (laughs) announcing and Lance didn't play Lance has always been a head-scratcher to me. But uh, we got to become friends a a few days there in Los Angeles uh, doing that uh, taping, filming, whatever. And uh, then, you know, I knew Lance at at, uh, WCW uh, when he used to be uh, driven crazy by uh, the Freebirds, Hayes and Garvin. Uh, and you know, just I'd see him here, there, and yon. But yeah, we were we were friends. He, look, I was thinking this the recently. I never ever heard a single human being utter a remotely negative remark about Lance Russell. And in life, in general, that's very, very rare. In the wrestling business, it's essentially is extinct. The only other person that I can think of that would fit in that same conversation, at least off the top of my head, is Owen Hart. So Lance Russell is, well, it was a national treasure. He was the best weekly TV wrestling host ever, and that will ever be, because that side of the business has become a dying presentation. But what Lance did for decades and decades, with uh, with no rehearsal, with no teleprompter, with nobody in his ear feeding him lines, just free-wheeling with a stick mic in a small TV studio, uh, and got these ridiculous ratings that you think they're typos. So Lance is the best ever at his role, without well, well, a doubt. Nobody's even I don't know how they would ever come close. I think he's he's got that one cornered. But the big thing for for me was that Lance was a gentleman and just a uh, class act. Golly, just what a wonderful guy! And I I was so happy. I, I put him my Twitter. Uh, I sent a, a tweet out that a picture that uh, someone took of us on my camera at uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club with uh, with Jerry the king, and, 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 and uh, Lance and I, that's a picture I really embrace, you know, and so, uh, Lance was a, you know, Lawler will tell you that as big as Lawler got, there was nothing ever bigger than Jerry Lawler in Memphis, ever, ever. But there would have been no king if there wasn't Lance. And uh, I think that's, a, that's just a classy thing for Jerry to say was he's right on the money. Lance was the lyricist For all that crazy music that they wrote in Memphis all those years. And somehow Lance made sense out of it. Enough to motivate you to either, one, buy a ticket. Or two, be sure and tune in again next week. Because we again will try to sell you a ticket. And somewhere along the way, if we're persistent enough. And you watch enough and get hooked on the storylines. Guess what? You're going to buy a ticket. He was he was, a, he was classic. He was classic. It's a it's something. I don't know how readily available they are. You the know some of the really cool stuff from the Memphis studio. Uh, you guys know that better than I. I don't think that's a WWE uh, Network library uh, acquisition. I don't know that. Maybe I'm wrong.
3: Nope.
5: Not yet. Nope. So yeah. So but if you if people that listen, you have a few minutes. You know maybe hop on YouTube or something for Lance Russell and it's interactions with everybody again. Understand these are not. They didn't walk through this earlier in the day. They're not working off cue cards or prompters, as I mentioned. There's an art form of doing all this and disseminating data, like Saturday Monday, Monday at the Coliseum, or next Friday in Nashville, or wherever it may be. So, so there's a there's a method to the madness, but nobody nobody uh, herded the chickens and kept the rudder in the water like Lance Russell. He was just the very best.
3: Now, one last question for me before I pass it along over to Chad and we, we uh, wrap it up. And I just had to ask this because Triple H and WWE and NXT recently have announced that they're bringing back War Games, and obviously you know War Games pretty damn well. And it's about War Games, maybe wanting to announce it, or, or did you kind of give any thought, or did you even hear about War Games coming back?
5: I heard uh yeah, I saw a WWE uh, uh uh dot com uh thing, uh bulletin, trying to think. I lost her words. And uh I was happy yes, hey, it's it's a it's a it's a it's a neat hook to build around for the uh, NXT takeover. It's a very marketable uh tool. And that's how I look at it. Uh, it's got uh, name identity with some older wrestling fans. Uh, the name has been bantied about some with to the younger fans. It's kind of trickled down. Uh, War Games has got a little bit of a legacy. If if it's, I don't know exactly the structure of it, and uh, but I can just tell you that uh, it's a uh, if it's executed correctly it can really be special. Uh, and if you, I thought over the years, uh, and maybe it's just my own bias, but I thought in the early going of the war games, they were, we had better matches than uh, they subsequently got at the end of the war games. If that, I'm, and I may be again, biased and wrong, but that's my take on it. So it's really a committed effort by the talents. The talents got to fit the environment. Uh, and, the, uh, uh, but the concept is really unique. It's very nostalgic in a good way, I think. Uh, it's kind of like uh, uh, the WWE having a uh, a starcade event in Greensboro. That's kind of cool. And and even though I I don't think it's going to be televised, it's got people talking about uh, a live event. So uh, I, I kind of think that's a, it served its purpose and it's very nostalgic and the fans in that area should get some enjoyment out of it. I understand there's going to be some extra whistles and bells there. So I think that's a neat idea. So I, uh, I kind of look the same, same, same glasses at the Starcade as I do the war games. It's nostalgic. Got some name identity. It's nice to see it back. Not something I probably want to see every year. And, uh, the other thing is that previous war games, some of them have been very violent and that doesn't seem to be, uh, in vogue these days. So, uh, and I'm not, that's not a bitch from my end, but just saying that, you know, if everybody thinks it's going to be a war games, like it used to be in the old days, it's probably not, but that doesn't mean it can be better or, and, and certainly different. So I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm glad that the basic canvas is there called the war games. Now let's see where they take it. And, uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious, and, I, and I'm certainly, certainly, I was, I'm sure that even my busy book signing schedule, if I was needed in uh, in Houston for uh, NXT takeover, uh, that would be uh, I would I would be certainly be making myself available.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I think we would definitely. Uh, I think that would be just an added extra. For that match and that's exactly what I wanted to say is that if you're expecting to see War Games 87 and uh, the the blood sp- squirting out of J.J. Dillon's head you're, you're going to be uh, in for a little bit of a shock it's not going to happen I'm going to think but to hear J.R. would be uh, pretty damn awesome but you mentioned the book signings and we got to bring it back to the book Slobberknocker My Life in Wrestling it's so highly anticipated it's one question that I even said this to Glenn Jacobs about running for mayor it's a question now you don't need to answer anymore. When is the book coming out? It's out, it's available, and everybody can run and go get it. J.R., I'm going to hand it over to you. Please share with the listeners where they can find the book, if you've got any signings coming up in the next couple of days, and anything else you want to tell us about this masterpiece known as Slobberknocker.
5: Well, probably the best uh, umbrella to shop for. Slavernocker in its various forms is uh, Amazon. Uh they they're gonna ship it to you quickly. It's in stock, everything's in stock, and it, it they're they're ready to rock and roll. And they were shipping people were getting uh copies of Slavernocker from Amazon like last Friday and Saturday. So uh they were ahead of the curve on that deal for whatever reason, but you know, good for them. So so Amazon might be your your destination. I know that uh uh, it 's available also in some other carriers or suppliers for the uh audio book um, and i don 't know the names i can 't remember There's there 's a bunch of them but it 's really widely distributed where itunes uh you know has got some has got some audio books uh and people are buying audio books uh as I said that was the hardest thing i 've ever done is to read that script and narrating Sometimes not real good news, So, uh, but it's out there. So, anyway, Amazon is the place. We'll leave it there. And, uh, I'm going to be doing some signings at Barnes & Noble coming up and uh, Books a Million. I'm going to be at the Books a Million store in Grapevine, Texas uh, on, on uh, Friday the 13th of October. That's the night before Oklahoma plays Texas in the Cotton Bowl. So, I'll get the game on Saturday, and on Friday night I'll be in Grapevine, Texas at Books a Million, and I'll be doing a signing there. And uh, all that information will eventually make it on my website. So one of the catch-alls there, too, is just uh, check out the website or follow me on Twitter, and I'll, uh, you'll get all the info. So but it's been good. You know, the, the response has been good. The only, the only negative, I, I made a mistake going on looking at some feedback, and I saw one negative feedback on Slobberknocker, and that was the fact that I didn't, uh, for the lack of a better term, uh, dish enough dirt. Uh, on uh, <laughs> they wanted more they wanted more salacious material and uh, you know so I uh, I guess I I someday I have to write a, a, a R-rated version of my of my life they don't understand you know I got children <laughs> You know, I got granddaughters here you know I I'm not, and I, I think there's a better way to you know, my story's not that's not my story you know that's not my that's not my that's not my journey my journey wasn't there's there was plenty of that on it but not uh not for this not for this forum but anyways it's the funny stuff some good stuff in there and and uh and i i had another guy write, write me that said he uh re- was reading our book he read it got finished with it and by the time he started the time he got through he had he had laughed and he had cried and he had gasped uh and and he you know he had to set it down once and like he really got into it so to know that some of the things we write about as honestly as we humanly possibly can write, not reinventing the 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 past uh is being well received and that's uh, that's pretty damn cool and like I said it's so much of my life uh and my work was uh involved with Jan and my wife and you know she was she was with me from the uh, met in the w c w days we got married in my my first year I was in w w e uh she we were together uh all through that whole run me going to the hall of fame everything moving back to oklahoma you know slowing down a little bit and then boom it was over so uh i that, that book was I've got so much of her in it because she was she played a role i didn't go create material to put in there because I want to pledge, you know, I want to tell you my wife, J.R.'s wife does. They had to put some more material in her book about her. Not at all. It's just there. And when you read it, you'll see what I'm saying. It makes a lot of us guys stop and uh, reevaluate our relationships. You read it and you'll understand exactly what I'm saying. So it's it's a pretty, uh, it's not just a headlock and hammerlock book by any means.
4: I, I I I've said it to you, I said it to you in Philly. And I'll reiterate it again. What you've gone through in this past year has been unbelievable, and it's a testament to you in what you've done in wrestling, and what you've done in broadcasting, and what you've done now as an author and writing a book that you were able to to do the amount of things that you do. And as a fan, and as somebody that got to work alongside you, I know John feels the same way. We have nothing but admiration and respect for everything that you do and for the fact that you've gone through all that you have. It's the tip of the, the old cowboy hat from the two-man power trip. We support you, and we are just so thankful that you spent the time to talk about this book with us and share everything that you have. So, J.R., is our best that we send to you with this book, and hopefully everybody is either listening to it or reading it as we speak.
5: Appreciate you guys
4: very much, and uh, let's uh,
5: load up the wagon and take it to Amazon and see what we can do. This thing's it's looking good, and I know that uh, my wife's got to be extremely happy. She would have loved all this because she, she just, any time that she and I were able to make fans happy and put a smile on her face, uh, it was a good day. So if we can do that again in this form, it's, we, we win again. So here we go, another adventure. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. I mean, how do you forget anything like that? I could not believe. Now, here's a number one comic on national, international television. And here is a guy who calls up Lawler because he had been given Lawler's name. And he said, I want to come down and wrestle with you guys down there. I love your wrestling. He was a tape trader, too. And, uh, I, and and Lawler said, what? Who is this again? <laughs> and he couldn't believe what he was hearing <laughs> about it because he was the number one comic on television in situation comedy at the time, and he, he was terrific at it. Well, he came down, and, and the people up in... in in the East wouldn't have him because they said, well, you're making fun of wrestling by doing it." He started out doing it in nightclubs. And, and to be honest with you, the first one that he ever did was with his girlfriend. He conned her. And I say that with a little chuckle in my voice, he did that by conning her into doing a wrestling thing, getting up and challenging him. And that's how he became the world's leading wrestler of women <laughs> and uh he's he's a priceless character he was and and we lost lost a deer when when uh, it happened to him but it was uh, it was great to be around him and he was very unusual very unique guy. He would, uh, hey, my earpiece fell out of my ear. Wait a minute. Okay, there. I stuffed it back down in the ear. Good. There we are. Now, and what is the sport we're talking about tonight? Is this soccer? No, no. And so so uh, he came down, and and son of gun, nobody could believe this. He paid his own way to come from New York down to Memphis. To Russell. you that you get the women lined up, and I will get in the ring with them. And, and he, he—that's how sincere he was. He came down there, and brother, it was great. It was great. It was crazy, but it was great and a half. And you're right. 1982 turned out to be uh, probably the most sparkling year. Uh, because of the Kaufman Lawler matches, and and all of the things that followed, in the television, and the uh, and the b- b- big stuff that Andy always did with it. And believe me, this is true. When Andy came down there, he demanded that he had a locker room of his own, a little private locker room, and he would go for an hour and meditate. Now. Uh, you know, I did he didn't ask me in there to say, Hey, you want to watch me meditate? And so I don't, I take his word for it. That's a, I said, what in the Sam Hillies doing in there? Andy he says, I'm meditating. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know how it is <laughs> different strokes for different folks. <laughs> and, and anyhow, but he was just, he was just a one of a kind, kind of a guy. And, um, it was the biggest thing that ever happened to Memphis, in terms of crowds and and that sort of thing and uh so I guess we have more people ask about the Andy Kaufman years and the things that happened and and his manager, whoo, we almost had one there that we had had uh, his manager almost had a heart attack when he found out he had signed a contract to Russell Jerry Law. Are you crazy? You're going to run me out of business and you out of the world. Oh, man, you can't be true. You stay out of that ring when these guys get in there. This women's thing is all right, but Z. Oh, okay. Well, who said that about ice cubes? I don't know. Hello, John, (laughs) Chad, are you with me?
3: Absolutely.
2: Oh, okay. I heard that voice come down. Did you hear it? Oh, no. okay. You did? I heard a female voice say, uh, never mind. You'll be starting to wonder about me. <laughs> you won't be the first person. <laughs> I hear I hear those funny voices. I've been around Coughlin too long. That was what happened. But anyhow, Andy would go in there and he would he would come out and they'd say, yeah, I was in there meditating. No, I don't want to talk to you about it. Just leave it alone, okay? And there we go. Yeah, no. specifically, you've got anything else on Kauffman or anybody else? Let's fire because I can see you're speeding up this clock because I'm about to lose all the time that I've got here. And I'm not – shoot, I have too much fun talking about Russia. I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you. <laughs> Now let me tell you this, Abe. Hey, there were a lot of things that happened in there that nobody thought was going to happen, and, and you can bet you the first time that I stepped down those stairs and almost fell off the whole li- little stair, wooden stairways that went up to where we were broadcasting from, it was such a—you you cannot believe—that such a momentous occasion as the Tupelo concession stand ball took place in a former automobile body shop that they that they no, take it back. We built into an auditorium. It was a little thing that we wrestled every Friday night and it produced for us one of our one of our more exciting wrestling shows came out of there every Friday night. And I would do it, we would finish Along about twelve thirty a m and then we would drive by we being one of the engineers and I would drive by the television station that was carrying it at noon the next day, and here would be a completely one hundred percent all new television show that ran actually as far as the the total population it ran in competition with our memphis show uh because we had a a one going live at the time in memphis and here was this show from tupelo that also was live when we taped it the night before and ran it back the next day and i looked down those stairs and almost fell off of them because I'm looking, and here's Jerry Lawler heaving a gallon jug of mustard right straight at the head of the music man himself <laughs> and just missed him by about three inches in the left ear, and it crashed against the, the, the uh, 2 tube 4 that was put up there right beside him and broke that mustard all over the place. And I thought, holy mackerel, you guys are going to kill somebody. Quit it. It may be me. And, and I mean, really this stuff is going like you're not, you're not believing it. And uh, even if you saw it uh, in its entirety all the way, you would say, okay, where's the stuff you added in through how'd you get now, let me tell you, <laughs> I was hoping that it was not for real because those jugs of mustard and ketchup and everything else were looking awful big about that time. Okay, here's this big six-foot-five-inch guy that keeps an eye on me, and he's saying, you're running out of time. I know what that signal means, huh so that's uh that's one of my very favorites of all was the two-plo concession stand and um so if you have any more hidden questions that you want to get done before we're through believe me when he pulls the trigger on it that's all for me you all <laughs> what i saw in professional wrestling brother I saw stuff with more guys in one place, in one little hokey-dokey place, eh, which was Jerry Jarrett's Memphis Wrestling down there. I saw more than all the people who went to Madison Square Garden every night. You can say what you want to, and you believe yours, I'll believe mine. I think I was one of the most blessed guys in the world in terms of being able to say, man, I saw it all from the very beginning of it of, uh, when we started going with Mr. Jarrett's wrestling that took place in Memphis, Tennessee. And I loved it. Just like I love being here with you guys, John and, and, and Al, (laughs) pardon me, Chad and, uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I uh, hope maybe we can do it again someday. But I do want to tell you that uh, it has been a genuine pleasure, and you guys are you you're what I like, and this is what I meet when we go out and talk with a meet and greet. And I know I'm winding up. Can't you see? <laughs> yeah, he's over there chuckling up his sleeve. He said, "Well, I got I got a hand on him. He, he got him prayed. He's right." It's too dead, come big for me to mess with. <laughs> Anyhow, I want to say thanks, thanks, guys. It, it genuinely is a uh, it's an explosive uh, mark that will go down right beside a bunch of others. And and you mentioned names. Lou says, "Holy mackerel!" We we were looking. Were we not looking at pictures? of guys over at Charlotte, North Carolina last year in the big get together and all of that and saying, don't see too many of them with Lou Thez in there. I was very lucky. Lou was a guy that I got along with great. And I just loved being around one absolutely breathtaking scientific and everything else wrestler that, uh, you ever saw, and and I gotta say, yeah, I got his picture. If you want to buy it, it's eight dollars, right? <laughs> no, I, I'm 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 not kidding about that, but I am kidding too. It uh, it just it's just been a wonderful life, and and the biggest thing that that if I don't say this, it's because I've turned into an all of a sudden blithering idiot. Uh the biggest thing that I I got a kick out of is the fans. And you go today, and I've been in arenas, I've been in in, uh, in casinos, and all of that, and here are the fans from Memphis, Tennessee. And when I say that, I'm talking about all the way around. Mississippi, Tennessee, Arkansas, goodness, and they all – say the same thing without any prompting or not. Boy, do you know what? I'll never forget. Every Saturday morning, we used to go over to our grandma and grandpa's and we would go in there and start watching television and brother, you start talking when that television's on. My grandma's going to get up and slap you in one ear and the grandpa's going to pop you in the other ear. Now, I'm telling you guys, This has happened so many times, it's not any scary anymore. It's just unbelievable. So don't believe it. (laughs) No, I'm telling you the truth. It's it's really amazing. They're great, great people, and they enriched my life. Uh, I hope we have been able to share some of it with you and enrich you all. Thanks very much, John and Chad. I I appreciate it